Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Really, I would say a big part of the journey of leaving shame behind is learning the true character of God, not who you think he is, but digging into who he really is. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. I can never get it right. I'm not wanted. I'm better off alone. I'm better off dead. I deserve this, whether it's abuse or the person that I'm hanging with. It's my fault. I deserve it. All of these phrases, all of these statements are statements that many of us struggle with Mm -hmm. to some degree, and they are all fueled by something called shame. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of the No More Perfect Podcast. So shame has played a huge role in our marriage. Right. And it has particularly played a huge role in your life. Right. It's uh, It's been that thing that's dogged me and uh, it's been a fierce enemy my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because when you and I were first married. Right. I remember this. We, I don't even remember, like the television was on. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was PBS. It was, I think. I think it was PBS. And um, the television was on and there was this show. It was by a a guy named John Bradshaw. And I think he had a book called Healing the Shame That Binds You. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't Christian. It's just a secular resource, but you really tuned into it Mm -hmm. and we sat down and watched it. I want to say we were watching a show before it and we left the TV on and that came on and, and you really tuned in and went, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Like Mm -hmm. the things that he's talking about makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. And that was, it was eye-opening for you because for the first time, things that you had felt actually had a name, right? Like there was a label for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if at that point you could have identified what you felt. No, I couldn't have because uh, 
that wasn't really a way that I was trained or it wasn't discussed right in the home that I grew up in. And so, uh, but what he talked about was that inner turmoil yeah, and the frustrations or the things that caused me to act the way I did or and, think the way that you did. Right. And so it, really what he was doing is he was describing things and you were going, oh, yeah, that's not normal. Right. Like that's. And then I remember you saying, like, do you think those things? And I was like, I don't. <laughs> and and but you really mm-hmm. you, like for the first time, it helped you to go, gosh, I I mean, because it seems normal when it's all you know. Right. But then when somebody calls it out and then you go, oh, you mean uh, other people don't feel like they're not enough or they're unlovable? Well, yes, mm-hmm. lots of people feel like they're not enough and they're right. unlovable, but that they're, you don't have to feel that way. Right. Right. And I don't know, at that point in life, it wasn't it, like it didn't launch me into this path of of fixing or correcting or discovery, but it was like a seed that was planted that would bear fruit later in life. It would. Interestingly enough, it really took 28 years Mm -hmm. for you to really dig in and deal with the shame, even though you were introduced to it way back then. Uh, it took 28 well, years. Well, and I I tried to figure it out. And you even got some counseling in right. between. And I just couldn't get away from it. I couldn't escape it. It was like it had latched on and would not let go. Right. And I don't think any of those counselors really dug into that in particular. They're, they dug into mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm but didn't dig into that until our marriage crisis. Right. Which honestly, I, I remember, I mean, I've known that you've struggled with shame all of our married life and, um, and And really I've known it. I just part and part of what fueled my midlife crisis was I just tired of dealing with all this stuff and not being able to be free of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was, I mean, you know, oftentimes people will say, how did you stay in there? And I kept, you know, when I say I knew it wasn't about me, Mm -hmm. I knew it was the shame that was fueling all of this. Mm -hmm. Not that there weren't things I was contributing to the dysfunction in our marriage. I've been very open about that. And certainly I had to pay attention to that. But what was fueling it was the way was was your skewed thinking mm-hmm. and that was skewed by shame right so you know oftentimes w- w- people are like well what is shame right all right so we are designed to have to feel guilt okay mm-hmm. that is what makes us do u-turns in Mm -hmm. life that's what makes us apologize that's what makes us repent um which the word repent means literally to do a u-turn to turn and go in a different direction so i realize i'm 
off the um I'm off track. Mm-hmm. I need to get on track. That's what repenting is. So guilt is there our conscience. Mm-hmm. And the Bible would describe that as conviction, mm-hmm. which is a really good thing. We right. want conviction. We want to experience conviction. Because conviction is what allows mm-hmm. us to feel bad when we are off track. Right. It's what fuels us to make the U-turn. But the problem is conviction can easily trip over into condemnation and condemnation is shame. Right. And so shame is the core belief that I am defective. Mm -hmm. Right. So guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. Right. And those are totally different. Yes. One is is helpful in transformation. Uh, The other is destructive in toxicity. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So shame is what fuels that thinking that I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. I can never get it right. I'm not wanted. I'm better off alone or dead or I deserve this. Mm -hmm. And uh, is so destructive. And what's true is that shame is r- ultimately rooted in the work of what I call a tyrant, the father of lies. Jesus called him that, and that's Satan himself, who we are told that Satan steals, kills, and destroys. And that's really what shame works to do. It steals, mm-hmm. kills, and destroys. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so shame is passed along to us from childhood. Yes. From from our, our fam. Well, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Yeah. But from childhood. And it overpowers us into believing that we are at the core bad, unfixable. We're, we're rotten. Mm-hmm. We believe that we're flawed, we're inadequate, rejected, defective, mm-hmm. unworthy, unlovable. And sometimes in childhood, those messages were spoken to us. Mm-hmm. They were literally said to us. Right. Like in your case, your stepfather said some horrific things to you. Right told you that you were a failure and you would Mm -hmm. never amount to anything and that you were a screw up. So shame was the seeds of shame were planted openly. Right. In the home that you grew up in. Yeah. I think, and so it's important to know where shame comes from and really it comes in a variety of places. uh, Most certainly from the parents and it could come actually from foster families or, uh, and I wouldn't say that most parents go at shaming their children. Right. No. Um, I think they're really trying to motivate them in some way, but like you've written Jill about the perfection infection mm-hmm. uh, and that totally would help it fuel it can fuel, fuel shame, shame. What because is that? you don't feel like it is that you're enough. 
So the perfection infection is when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves or we unfairly compare ourselves to others. And a child, you know, where, where shame might happen in an unintentional way is um, when, you know, let's just say, I don't know, your child comes home with a B on the report card and the response is that's not good enough. Right. And so that, that plants a seed that I'm not good enough. Right. And I think tone. And so there's a way to talk to our children to encourage them to do better, or there's a way to be destructive to our children and plant shame. Mm -hmm. Right. So shame can be outwardly expressed, like verbally shaming statements can be said, or it can be inadvertently Mm -hmm. expressed, Mm -hmm. like the report card situation, which uh, that parent would not, you know, um, intentionally do that, but they don't realize that, you know, they, they miss maybe they they're not tuned in they miss how hard the child worked to get that b and so you really you're missing being tuned in to the emotional experience of the child and so you're minimizing their effort you're mm-hmm. making statements that might that that child will internalize because they that child has information maybe you don't have in that moment. Like they know how hard they worked for right, that. Right, right. So shame almost always comes from our home of origin in some way. And that mm. can be through the perfection infection. It can be also through abandonment. Mm-hmm. Like if, if one parent or both parents are absent mm-hmm. from their life, like much of your shame also was really being abandoned by your your birth father, your biological right. father. Well, and that came through divorce. Correct. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we live in a culture that says, hey, kids are pliable. They can handle divorce. And, man, we're just giving – divorce gives the gift of shame that just keeps on giving and giving and giving. It can. It yeah. certainly can. And it's not a – healthy giving. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. Abandonment uh, many times can be just parents are busy and they s- sit the kids in front of the TV and say, take care of yourself mm-hmm. or go to your room and play. I've got work to do or. Right. And we, and we all have moments like that. We're right. not talking about moments like that, but we are talking about the um, consistent consistent pat- patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Consistent patterns. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a big part of shame. Unhealthy family rules. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like when there are rules like be blind. Right. Don't you don't see. Yeah. Like in my home. Well, it kind of goes along with you don't talk. You don't tell anybody what's going on inside the home. And so if maybe a child saw their sibling get spanked really hard, violently, and then you're told you didn't see that, you don't tell anybody. Yes. And so mm-hmm. we're talking excessive, but the with the message that 
what happens in the family stays in the family. You don't say anything to anybody. And that fuels shame. Right. That fuels shame right there. If you grew up in an environment like that, right. I think one of the books that you read said, be blind, don't see, be quiet, don't talk, don't talk be numb, don't feel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's like, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Don't, don't show your emotions. Be careful, be guarded and yeah. be good and perfect. Right. All of those are like shame based messages mm -hmm. that plant seeds in our heart that we have trouble coming to grips with because it goes against how God created us. Right. He created us to be seen. Mm -hmm. He created us to be heard. He didn't create us to be numb. He created us to feel things mm -hmm. very deeply. Right. And being careful or guarded can be a healthy concern, mm -hmm. but it's when you take it to the extreme and you're fearful. You mistrust. You, you're mis you mistrust or you just, you find yourself afraid of everything. And you can see that in children and who have become adults and are just fearful and mistrusting. Mm -hmm. And what often happens with shame, and this is one of the ways that it played out in our marriage, is people that struggle with shame have trouble uh, receiving love. Mm -hmm. They are extremely needy, mm -hmm. but what is given to them is like never, never enough. enough. Right. And so what would happen is I would show you love. I would be loving. It was never enough. And we now describe it as you had a bucket with a hole in the bottom of it. Right. And so um, that was keeping because, because deep down inside you believed you were unlovable. You weren't right. enough. All of those things were playing into that. Message. So I would virtually undermine the very thing that I, desired or craved mm -hmm. uh, and that was just so destructive mm -hmm. and uh, yes and it was fueled by shame mm -hmm. uh, you know other ways from childhood that we develop that sense of shame or that source of shame is sometimes from our own assumed uh, messages that we we observe a situation and then we make assumptions about that situation. Right. As if it's about us. Right. Like we might see, like even as a child, we might've been on the playground and we saw people whispering and we assume they were whispering about us. Right. When maybe they weren't, we don't mm -hmm. know that we didn't right. hear it, but we made an assumption. Mm -hmm. that we and Satan whisper li whispers lies that partner with that assumption and then we take it in, see, no one likes me. They're, they're talking bad about me. Mm -hmm. And it's, we have no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And, the, and that's one of the things in our marriage coaching that we talk to couples about is the importance of asking your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because what happens often is, you know, we'll be sitting talking with a couple and, and all of a sudden, one of them will say, well, I think that he thinks that this and this and this or, or the same she thing. Thinks, yes. Yeah. I think that she thinks that blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And 
And we'll usually stop that and say, well, why don't you, you ask, ask him right. if that's, why don't you ask him what he thinks about that? Mm-hmm. Or why don't you ask her? So let's just stop. And rather than you making that assumption, can you please ask the question? And mm-hmm. I will say nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. what that person thinks is not correct. Exactly. And yet, if they continue fueling those shame-based thoughts, what it's doing is it is, well, back to stealing, killing, and destroying. And it's right. isolating them and it's pulling them apart in the relationship that means the well, most and to them. Well, for the spouses being accused by the assumption they can't crawl out from underneath of that shame and they just end up buried and end up without hope and almost dead. And so the relationship begins to die because of the bondage of shame. Mm-hmm. It's Yes. Uh, and I would say in, I, I would probably say, I, I have no statistics on this, but in the marriages, the intent, the marriage intensives we host in the, mm-hmm. um, the marriage coaching that we do, uh, just in 20 years of ministry ourselves and church-based ministry, we have, I would say that in most marriages, one or both deal with shame to some degree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And oftentimes... Um, you know, if you've been hanging out with us at all uh, for any length of time, you've heard Mark and I say, when I'm a better me, we're a better we. Well, uh, apply that to shame. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when we start working with a couple, it'll become very evident that what needs to happen is we got to start working with shame before we can even start working with the couple. Right. Like we've got to understand the dynamics of shame because it is holding that couple back mm-hmm. uh, from being able to connect, right? From being able to really hear each other, because that shame is really about identity, mm-hmm. and our identity becomes based upon defectiveness, mm-hmm. based upon lies, lies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah rather than our identity being based upon truth about who God says that we are. Right. And so we got to start at the core of digging into the lies that one or both partners are believing. And man, that was a big place for you Mm -hmm. when you did your U-turn and you came back home, you started really working on, the shame messages Mm -hmm. and dealing with the shame messages. And I remember you even made a list of statements about who you were Mm -hmm. and they were on your phone. Right. That way, uh, if I struggled with shame, Mm -hmm. I would just pull up my phone and just read out loud the list. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was important for me to hear myself reading it because it it would then impact my thinking which impact my thoughts and then transform my beliefs and i would say that shame work is not easy work but it's super important work because 
that you are different because mm-hmm. you have dealt with the shame in your life. Well, and our you. marriage is different right. because you have dealt with the shame. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think what really impacted me after the affair was I came to the core of all my issues and the core of all my issues was that I didn't believe God was enough mm-hmm. that he, he, I felt like he had lied that he, I couldn't trust him and he was no different than the other men in my life and who were supposed to be my dad. And so once I reconciled that, it was like all the other things began to really take care of themselves. Because mm-hmm. how can I take an, on a new identity when I don't trust the one who's given me that identity? Mm-hmm. But Right, right. But you did a lot of hard work to turn that around. Right. You really worked hard to identify the lies and replace them with truth. Mm-hmm. And we'll make sure in... Like in my, I I talk a little bit about this in my Empty Nest Full Life book, and I did a thing called Satan's Lies, God's Replies. Yeah, in the book, and I now have a little worksheet for that. So we'll make sure and put that worksheet in the show notes because Mm -hmm. a lot of those lies were the ones that you struggled with, and you had to really tackle and and replace them with truth. Right. Yeah, and that Um, was that was that was huge. And you know, I mean, we're talking a lot about you on this. I have not struggled with shame. Mm -mm. There are moments that I have shame thoughts. Mm -hmm. I can be going through something hard and the enemy can get in there and whisper. And I can, I can go from conviction to condemnation just like anyone else. Mm -hmm. But from an identity perspective, I have never struggled with it. Right. But I, I do understand it so much better because I have watched you walk it. I've certainly been on the, the side of loving someone mm-hmm. um, that has a hole in their bucket and struggles with it. And now from a coaching perspective, I, I better understand it. So I'm grateful that I haven't had to deal with it. I think we all do deal with shame at some point in time that what we're tr- really talking about today is shame as your core identity. Right. I think uh, from your s- sitting on your side, it's easy for a person to, like it would have been easy for you to blame me and say something's wrong with you. And not that I want to minimize me because I'm a participant, but to realize at the core of the challenges was shame. Yes. And And honestly, the more I understood that, the more compassion I had for you, mm -hmm. the more long suffering I was Mm -hmm. in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more I believed that if you, you know, one of, if you would return to your God, you would return to your family was a, a phrase I used to use. But it was, it really was that feeling of if you could get your heart and your identity in Christ sorted out, the rest would, mm-hmm. and you just said that, like, right. Yeah. Once you did that, the rest sorted out. Yeah. 
So let's talk about how shame is um, kind of shows up. Let's okay. talk about how it shows up in um, in life and um, and what it might be at the core of. So mm-hmm. if somebody struggles with perfectionism, mm-hmm. that might be a place where shame shows up. Uh, workaholism or work, 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 works the number one priority because I'm trying to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that can be a huge one. Mm-hmm. Laziness or being stuck. Mm-hmm. Not being able, like we just were, we were actually just working with a couple and he wants to make some changes, but he is paralyzed to make those changes. Mm -hmm. And the reason he's paralyzed to make those changes is because of shame. Right. It's like shame is like you described it as concrete blocks, concrete blocks on your feet. Yeah. And you can't, you're paralyzed. You can't move because of those beliefs mm-hmm. that you have. I'm right. not enough. I'm not good enough. Um, this is going to fail. I'm mm-hmm. going to fail. All of those hold us back. So it may look like laziness. It may look like uh, not taking steps forward. But the truth is, it's usually based upon what's going on inside of the head our head right. and our heart. And so it'd be easy to be condemning and aggressive to that person and, and like, lecturing. Wake, yeah, lecturing. Wake up. Yeah. You've got to do this. You made a promise. Get out there and get it done. And that's just heaping more shame on top of shame. And what's crazy is if you would have compassion and love that person, mm-hmm. you could free them. You could help free them. Not that you're doing it, but Jesus Christ is doing it. Mm-hmm. And so you mm-hmm. got to come at it from, instead of like pulling them along, you come at it from a different angle. You come at it. You love them along. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Addictions yep. are almost always. Fueled by shame. Shame-based. Yeah. And yeah. so you can't just say, stop drinking, stop drinking, stop drinking, or stop doing drugs, or stop the gambling, and or stop whatever. stop the porn, whatever right. it is. Because it's fueled by shame. It's fueled by shame. Yeah. And so what you've got to do is get to the heart of the shame and the messages that is fueling that addiction that is causing you to stay in that place. Right. You know, a couple other ways it shows up is an overdependence upon people. Like I need people to fix me or to help me. Or to make me happy. Yeah, or to make me whole. Uh, or there's an underdependence upon people because I so don't trust them, I don't need them. I'm better off alone. That's all the message of shame. Mm-hmm. Any type of stinking thinking. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> what I talk about in my emptiness full life. Yeah. You know, because, and and why did I include it in my Empty Nestful Life book? I included it in there because, honestly, when our kids leave home, if we have any type of shame going on inside our head and our heart, we will take their actions, their leaving, their independence, we will take those personally. Mm. We will make it about us. Mm -hmm. 
we will see it as rejection. Mm. And that is not healthy. No. And so that's why I included it in Empty mm-hmm. Nestful Life because I, I see far too many moms that are taking their children's independence personally. And I want them to know that it is time for them to deal with busting the shame out of right, their life. The lies, yeah. Because it's not serving them well. And quite frankly, if it shows up in your parenting like that, it's going to show up in your marriage. It sh- mm-hmm. I can promise you it's showing up in your marriage. Right. It, because one of the ways it showed up in our marriage is no matter what I did, everything that I did, you took personally. Mm-hmm. And everything the kids did, you took personally. I did. Yeah. So. You took their misbehavior. You made their misbehavior about you. Mm -hmm. And then that caused you to be angry Mm -hmm. and then often discipline in anger when really it didn't have anything to do with you. Right. So the minute we make our kids behavior about us, we become an ineffective parent in Mm -hmm. that moment. Mm. And so that's what shame does is when... I hear it a lot with women who are struggling when their husband has a porn addiction and they'll Mm. say, why am I not enough? Mm. And my response to them is always, this doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. Just the other day I was interacting with a woman and she, and her husband struggles with porn and, and she said, you know, I'm, I mean, my weight is a problem. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, honey, if your weight wasn't a problem, your husband would still have a porn addiction because right. his porn addiction is, is about, about it. it's about him. It's about his identity. Mm-hmm. It's about the things he's believing. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. You could be a size zero mm-hmm. and it wouldn't make any difference. Right. And so, um, so anytime we make something about us, it is, and, and to be fair, you often communicated to me that I was the problem. So you were, you know, right. I mean, we all do that. And right. sometimes I've communicated to you that you, you were the problem. And so we, you know, to be fair, sometimes accusations are thrown our way. Mm-hmm. We just need to have enough knowledge about this that only the ones that we need to own will stick. Right. Right. What's true for me? What's well, what's true about what was just said? Yeah. Like there might be a a tiny element of truth in there, but I'm not going to let the rest of that stick to me because that's not who God says that I am. Right. So my identity is in Jesus Christ. My identity is who God what God says about me. My mm-hmm. identity is in truth that never changes, not lies from the enemy that have come to steal, Mm -hmm. kill and destroy. Mm. Yeah. And so um, also shame continues to be lived out when those core, those family rules. Right. That we were talking about Those unhealthy rules. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't. see, don't feel, don't hear, don't talk, all that. When all of that is being lived out. Right. And boy, I'll tell you, that's, 
that's another area when we do marriage coaching is we're digging for those family rules Mm -hmm. that people are still unknowingly living by. Right. Like the messages, like the big one in our marriage for you was your voice doesn't matter. Right. Your voice doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What you have to say doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And in mine, while I didn't grow up shame-based, probably the biggest message I got is my feelings didn't matter. Right. And so that's a core message that I believed from probably a very early age because I just learned to buck up. Right. And so those core messages are still guiding us as adults and we don't realize it. So that core message of that buck up message was guiding me as an adult and it was making me not vulnerable in our marriage. And so therefore it was sending a message to you that I didn't need you. Right. Your message of don't say anything caused you to, to say to yourself, Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let that slide. But the problem was I wasn't letting it slide. I was pooling it like in a backpack. And then when something would, I, when I'd finally reach my capacity, then I would rage or react. Mm-hmm. And it was all driven by shame. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But again, I mean, I'm not minimizing the fact that I was a player in that and I had responsibility. And yes. So- well, I remember one of the, uh, it was a counselor that you worked with early on. And, and this was when anger was a big thing for you in mm. early in our marriage, anger was a, an issue. And this counselor said that rage is burst shame. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. Right. For you to realize. And for me to realize Um, Because there were things that I, there were dynamics, there were things I was doing that were shaming to you. Mm -hmm. And, and that was, that was causing the shame to be burst, which would cause the, the anger. You know, what's wild is you would think that if something burst, it would be gone. Mm, But this, but it would just seal back up and then re- uh, inflame itself because you weren't dealing with it at the core, right? It was just growing to the point where it couldn't be contained anymore. You, it would explode, but then come back together and, and then start all over again. Yeah. 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 So as you can see, I mean, the, the concept of shame is it's really important that we identify if there's if we have a shame-based identity. Mm-hmm. And so the question then becomes, how do you change that? Right. How do you begin to bust the shame? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you find freedom from that shame? Yeah. And really the core of that is in Jesus Christ. It is. He is the only one who can set us free. Yes. And so accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior mm-hmm. is, it's vital. But then also, I think even deeper than that is that we surrender our lives to Him and really accept that He is God and we are not. 
And what I realized in the affair was that I hadn't let Jesus Christ be God. I debated with him. I argued with him. I was angry at him. And I, uh, I really was fighting who was going to be the God of my life. Mm-hmm. The Lord of your life. Yeah. 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 The leader. The leader. The yeah. leader of your life. Yeah. That's a good phrase. Yeah. Um, so accept Christ as our savior. That's number one. And that, that's not about going to church. No. Guys, you can go to church all of your life and never have accepted Christ as your savior. Because when we accept Christ as our savior, we say that we need him. Mm-hmm. We say that we need him to be the leader of our life. Right. And so if you haven't done that, we invite mm-hmm. you to do that right now. And that's just in a simple conversation to to Jesus Christ, just to own that. I haven't let you be my leader. I need you to be my leader, please. Come. I need you to be my savior, my mm-hmm. leader. Lord, I I don't want to mm-hmm. do this on my own anymore. Right. I don't want to do this my way anymore. Right. And if you do that, be sure to let us know. Yes. And we will totally uh, come alongside and help uh, with resources, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We accept his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You come as you are. And shame would say you're not forgivable. Yes. But Jesus Christ said, oh, you are. And because not I paid that, the price. Yes. And not only that, the minute we say, I'm sorry for something that we have done, and then we try to talk to God about it again, he goes, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. What you talking about? Yeah. Because I've forgiven that. I don't even know. Yeah, you are yeah. white as snow. Yeah. And then really, I would say a big part of the journey of leaving shame behind is learning the true character of God, mm-hmm. not who you think he is. Right. But digging into who he really is. Right. And f- for me, I went the route of, I prayed through Psalms for probably a year, just taking each Psalm and then capturing who does God say that he is. And then repenting of who I thought he was or who I had made him out to be and he wasn't. Yes. Um, Yes. So really understanding the character of God and mm -hmm. who God is and then accepting what he says about us. Right. Accepting that he is the determiner of our identity. Right. Not my um, thoughts, not or, my thoughts, not or what the my thoughts of others. Yeah, yeah, not what others have said about me, not what I think about me, not what I assume has been said about me, but we move to truth. Right. What does God say about me? Right. And man, we really, and we have to sometimes, I mean, people that are working through shame, you got to post that truth all over the place. In fact, mm-hmm. when we're working with someone and and they're struggling with shame, we'll say to them, we'll take that Satan's lies, God's replies. And it's like, which one of these really resonate, resonate with you? Yeah. I want you to write that on an index card. I want to, I want you to write it on five index cards, the same scripture, 
the same truth on five index cards. And I want you to put them one in your bathroom mirror, one on your, your refrigerator, in your car, in your car. I mean, wherever you're going to see that you've mm-hmm. got to be very actively like you did on your phone, mm-hmm. um, putting those messages in a, on your phone. And you just said to me the other day, I rarely have to look at those anymore. Right. Like you, I would say in the beginning, they're still there though. They're on your phone, but in the beginning you were looking at them multiple times a day. Exactly. Yeah. But you rarely look at them now Mm -mm. because those are now internalized. Right. And you now, they are, they form the new foundation of your identity. Right. And that did not happen until you were in your mid fifties. Yeah. So, I mean, it's never too late. No. It is never too late. So we renew our mind. Shame would say it is. Yes. But God says it's not. Never too late. It's never too late. Mm -mm. Yeah. So we put all of our identity in Jesus Christ. We've been talking about renewing our mind. We renew our mind. We replace lies with truth. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then we also put... Sin, mistakes, we put that, we we begin to see them and we reframe them Mm -hmm. in a way that helps us to see that they are things that we do, but they don't determine who we are. Right. And so um, they don't make us deficient. Uh, they, They make us miss the mark. Mm -hmm. That's what the word sin means. Like you miss the mark and think of it as a target. Right. You're trying to hit the middle of the target. And when we sin, we haven't hit the middle of the target. We've missed the mark. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is we want to recognize that, you know what? We will miss the mark Mm -hmm. in this life. Right. None of us are perfect. We will miss the mark. And in that moment, that doesn't make us a bad person. No, it, it doesn't. Uh, it it doesn't define us. Mm-mm. It doesn't make us a bad person. It is only that we made a mistake or we sinned. But mm-hmm. Jesus Christ continues to give a way to clean that up. Right, which is simply. Lord, mm-hmm. you know, it could be as easy as let, let's just talk about something in everyday life. We are in the middle of, I don't know, life happens. I answer you harshly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's a lot of dynamics that'll happen if I answer you harshly. The old Mark would have taken that personal. Right. The new Mark, the Mark 2.0 will say to himself, that wasn't about me. Right. The Jill. And that a lot is happening right now. And I need to talk to Jill about that. Yeah. Yep. And you would actually probably have compassion Mm -hmm. um, because you'd go, I'm thinking she's got a, she's stressed. Yeah. She's carrying a lot of weight on something, you know. And so now uh, the old you would have said nothing. The new you has courage mm-hmm. and uh, uses your God tool of courage that we talk about in our No More Perfect Marriages book. And the new you would say, hey, honey, that was a pretty harsh answer. Mm-hmm. Um, are you I, okay? Are you okay? Yeah. 
Is something weighing heavy on you? Mm-hmm. Are you stressed out about something? Is there some way I can help? Mm-hmm. And and so you're no longer believing that you don't have a voice. Right. You absolutely mm-hmm. do have a voice and you're utilizing that voice in a loving, kind way. Now, in that moment, I would, that would be a mess. I missed the mark in that moment because mm-hmm. I didn't need to answer you harshly. Mm-hmm. So now I clean that up with you and I clean that up with God. Mm-hmm. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry mm-hmm. that I was irritable and, uh, and that I misused my words. The Bible has a lot to say about the power of our words and yeah. we need to be, we need to use them carefully. And so in that moment, I clean that up. That doesn't make me a bad person. I made a bad choice in right. that moment. Yeah. So I clean that up with God. I say, I'm, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Lord. He does. I say to you, Mark, I'm so sorry. Will you please? I know that that mm-hmm. was harsh. Will you please forgive me? And then we move on. Yeah. You know, and we we didn't talk about this earlier, but shame keeps us from asking for forgiveness because we're really we believe we're so bad. We're not forgivable. Mm, and very true. Sometimes individuals who uh, are not e- willing to ask forgiveness believe that mm-hmm. from willing to ask forgiveness from God. Or, or from other people. Right. Yes. Right. Either one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I would say also, you know, just as we think about, you know, finding freedom from shame, this is often a place where counseling, coaching yeah. can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. And you want, you know, if you recognize, as we've talked today and you recognize this is, and this is something that I struggle with. You know, when you search for a counselor, tell them, I Mm -hmm. know that I struggle with shame and that's what I want to work on. Right. Get in there and let them know that you know that this is something that you'd like to explore and you'd like to better understand. And also counselors, sometimes you'll connect with a counselor and it's not a good match. So don't be afraid to shop counselors. Right. You want to feel comfortable. You want it to be a good match. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would say also thinking, you know, I, I was thinking through the resources that we have used. Counseling was a big part of it for you, particularly. But some of the books that mm-hmm. we have read that have been very, very helpful. One is a book by Larry and Kathy Miller called Never Ever Be the Same. Right. That it talks one, about vows and lies. And uh, another one by Sharon James, James enough, is enough, which is actually a book written for women, but I loved it. It she's dead on with the the lies. In fact, she has a new book out about maybe you don't like your story. Oh, when you don't like your story, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And she's yeah. been a previous guest on the No More Perfect podcast, mm-hmm. so. That's also a good one to check out, a good episode to check out. But her book, Enough, is very powerful. So Never Ever Be the Same by Larry and Kathy Miller, Enough by Sharon Janes. And then the third one is called Released from Shame mm-hmm. by Sandra Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. And we can put these in yeah. the show notes. We'll put these in the show notes. I would say for me... One that has been very helpful as a wife of someone who has struggled with shame 
is the book, The God Empowered Wife by Karen Hunt. Because mm. I misused my strength in our marriage, which caused you more shame. Right. And the God Empowered Wife taught me how to use my strength in marriage for good. Mm. And mm -hmm. that was a really, it's not really a book about shame, but when I look back and I applied what I learned in reading that book and really she taught me a lot about control and my control, my need to control mm -hmm. was fueling your shame. Right. And so I would say that was another book that was very, very powerful for us. And of course, God's word, mm -hmm. God's word is where we are going to learn about who he is. It's going to where we're going to learn about who we are. And that's the most important book for you to read to find freedom. Right. From shame. Yeah. I, I think too, that an individual who wants to be free of shame they have to take on a mindset that I'm going to work at this. I'm going to do all I can to discover this, to figure this out. And that's why the reading of the books and uh, listening to this podcast mm -hmm. is uh, so important, uh, pursuing counseling, just to get after it mm -hmm. and get this. Begin get this, the process of renewing your mind. Right. Yes. Like be intentional. Whatever it takes yeah. to renew your mind because it will, it will transform how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. It'll transform how you see God. It'll transform a marriage how relationship. How you see your spouse. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it'll, it'll, it'll transform your relationship with your kids. It will. Yeah. I mean, it really is so important. It's a part of emotional intelligence. It's a part of finding freedom in Christ. Mm -hmm. So this has been something we've really wanted mm -hmm. to talk about for a while. I'm glad we finally had the time. Yes. Um, you want to just close out yeah. in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Father, for the individual right now who's maybe for the first time looking at this enemy called shame, Father, empower them, strengthen them, lead them. Father, for the individual who has lived life independent of you, may they accept you and come to you. Father, I pray that all of these things spoken would bear fruit and that you would see transformation that's fueled by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.